Well, we're glad everybody's here today. Why don't you give a honk and a wave? We praise God for what he's doing. And uh, we have a couple of announcements. We had said that we would be back in June 7th, which was next Sunday. That's not going to happen. We've got renovation that's going on, and we're working as quickly as we can to get everything done, but we're just not going to be able to pull it off by next Sunday. So bear with us. We're probably a couple more weeks. It'll probably be toward the end of June. Uh, we anticipate being done, and when we come back, it'll be a great surprise for everyone. And uh, believe me, we're anxious and excited to be able to get back together again. How many of you ready for that? Amen. I want to speak to you today on, you know, there's a glare up on this uh, roof, <laughs> so it makes it a little difficult to read, but I want to, I, I was praying yesterday about what God wanted and what he, the word that he wanted me to communicate to the church, and this is what I heard was the approach. Would you say that with me? The approach. I thought about how important the approach is in sports. If you've ever been bowling before, you understand that the way you approach the lane can make all the difference in your score. If you're taking too many steps toward that lane, it can throw you off. Or if you're not taking enough steps, it can throw you off. So there is an approach that you have to have right to be able to score high. When it comes to golf, it's the approach of the ball. That when, if, if you get too close to the ball, you're going to choke up on your club and going to be able to hit it well. And I was speaking with a man we were playing golf, his name was Andy Church, and Andy was telling me how he taught a blind man to play golf. And what he did was he, I said, how did you manage that? He said, well, he said, I went out to the golf course and got permission. He said, I went out there at night. He said, because I knew I couldn't communicate to him how to play unless I put myself in his place. And so by positioning himself where the blind man was, where he couldn't see the ball, he learned how to approach the ball. And it was amazing because while I thought he was pulling my leg at first, but while he was talking to me and looking right at me, he made a big swing and hit that ball and sent it hundreds of yards down the golf course. And it was all about his approach to the ball. When it comes to baseball, it's the way we approach the plate. You sometimes players will try and hug the plate and the pitcher's got a way of backing them off of it. And so it's all about the approach. If you've ever been hunting before, you know there's a difference between hunting rabbit than there is hunting deer. You know, when you're hunting rabbits, you're out there kicking around and hopefully you got a dog. And if you got a dog, the dog does the kicking around for you. But if you don't, you're out there kicking brush and you're kicking around trying to stir the rabbit up. If you're hunting deer, you're perched in a stand and you're very quiet waiting for the deer to approach you. Everybody say it with me, the approach. And you may be saying, well, pastor, I, I don't hunt, so I can't relate to what you're saying. Well, 
have you ever approached a spider before? You ever been underneath your house or crawling around down there and then there'd be a big old hairy spider next to you? And the way you approach it changes everything, doesn't it? I've seen some people approach it by going, ah! Backing off and jumping off and then others approach it by reaching their hand out and smashing the thing so it doesn't give them any more trouble. The approach makes a difference. I've seen people approach snakes differently. Some back way away from it and others are looking for a club to beat it to death. The approach. I thought that there's a way even in our courts of law. You can't just walk into a courtroom and go walk up to the judge and say, hey, Judge, I'd like to talk to you about something. You have to get permission to approach the bench. You can't just walk up at a whim or whenever you want to. You have to obtain permission to be able to approach the bench. And I thought about how in the book of Esther, that when, those of you that don't know the story, let me just give you a quick synopsis of Esther. The Jews have been held in captivity. Ahasuerus is king. He's looking for a queen. Esther is a young Jewish girl that's very beautiful. He chooses her, but the king does not know her ethnicity. And so she'd keep it hidden. Haman came along and he got promoted and Mordecai, who was Esther's cousin, would not bow to Haman. And it made Haman mad. So he thought, well, you know what? I'm not just going to destroy Mordecai. I'm going to destroy his entire nation. I, I'm going to destroy that complete ethnicity. And so he plots and he plans to kill all the Jews and the king doesn't even realize he's being sucked into something. Mordecai sends word to Esther that she's got to go before the king and make petition for her people. And she sent word back to Mordecai and said, look, everybody knows you just can't walk into the king's palace. You, don't, you can't just approach the throne. He said, unless you're called and you approach the throne, you're dead. Unless the king holds out the golden scepter to you. And if he holds out that scepter, then you're allowed to come in and approach him and touch that scepter and your life is spared. She said, but look, the king hasn't called for me in 30 days. I haven't even seen him. I don't know if he's mad at me. I don't know what's up. But I haven't, I haven't heard from the king in 30 days. I wonder how many of you can relate that sometimes when we pray, we feel real close to God. And there, yeah, right? There are other times, how many of you have ever prayed and felt like God was a thousand miles away? One thing we know for sure is that God is still on the throne. Problem is, is, we don't know how to approach it. <laughs> we've been praying, we've been crying out to him, but we're afraid to enter in. And Esther said, I can't do it. Mordecai sent word back to her and said, look, if you hold your peace, God will rescue us another way, but you and your entire father's house will be destroyed. And he said, how do you know that you weren't placed in the kingdom for such a time as this? You need to recognize and understand that every time you face opposition, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Every time you're having to climb a mountain doesn't mean that the world's come to an end. 
Every time you find your back up against the wall doesn't mean that the enemy is won. Sometimes God has to get us into a position so that our intercession makes a difference for everybody around us and not just ourselves. How many of you want your life to make a difference for other people? And so Esther determines in her mind, she sends word to Mordecai and said, I want you to have all the Jews fast for three days and I'm going to fast and my handmaidens will fast and then I'm going to go before the king and if I die, I die. I'm going to tell you something, friend. You can't allow fear to dominate your life or you're going to be miserable your entire life. You can't allow yourself to get backed into a corner where you're afraid to stick your head out of a door. You're afraid to reach out and touch somebody. You're afraid because the devil operates in fear. But the Bible said that perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear has what? Torment. Any of you ever felt like somebody was following you at night? Anybody ever been to a place where, you know, you're walking... Uh, the streets, well, you shouldn't be walking the streets anyway, but if, if you've ever been to a place where you felt like, you know, you just kept looking over your shoulder because you just had this feeling like someone was there. I remember my wife, years ago, I had to lock up a church. We were sent to lock it up. The pastor forgot to lock it up, and I went to the church and went in, and they, the, the church was a real old church. It was built in the 20s, and they, they used to padlock on the lock outside the door. And I looked at Debbie and I said, you're going to go in or you're going to stay in the vehicle? She said, I'll stay in the vehicle. She didn't. I went into the church and I don't know why I didn't turn the lights on. I just didn't turn them on. Walked all the way up through there with the lights out. And I'm telling you, the church can be a spooky place when there's no light on. Walked all the way through the church with the light out, grabbed the padlock off of the piano, was walking to the back, and I had this strange feeling like somebody was in there with me, and it didn't feel like it was God. And all of a sudden, I, I get to the door, and when I get to the outside door, Debbie had gotten out of the vehicle, was standing behind the door, and she jumped out at me, and I caught myself right before I hit her in the face with that padlock. I'm telling you, she looked up and she went, no, no, no. It was her approach to me that nearly got her in trouble. How many of you are a little jumpy? You know what, you know what I'm talking about? That if, if somebody jumps out at you, look, everybody's different, folks. And so you, you've got to learn you can't approach everyone the same way. And so if we can't approach each other the same way, how important is it that we learn how to approach God? Come on, somebody say it with me. I, I need to learn how to approach God. So, anyway, Mordecai's story. Esther goes in, she touches the golden scepter, and they all live happily ever after. All right, so they, they, she saved the nation because she finally conquered her fear and approached the king. But there's a king that becomes afraid of approaching God, and that king's name is David. Now that's strange, because the Bible said that David is a man that's after God's own heart. But there's a place in David's life where he's afraid of approaching God. I just want you to understand something. Just because you go through a valley 
doesn't mean you have to live there. Just because you experience a heartache doesn't mean it has to dominate your life. And if there's a time in your life where it seems like God's far away, that doesn't mean that he is. Because our feelings can change. Let me explain the story to you. The, there's a art. Oh, yeah, I, was, I was looking for it and I'm preaching on top of it. <laughs> there was a box that was known in Scripture as the Ark of the Covenant. It was laid in pure gold and this one isn't. But it measured a certain length and inside this box was the manna that God had fed Israel with. There was Aaron's rod that budded a dead stick that he made come alive. And there were the tablets that God wrote on himself. And this symbolized the presence of God. Problem is, is this had been carried away captive. Some folks in scripture took God's presence for granted. They didn't think about there's a relationship that you have to have with God. They just thought if I carry this with me, I don't have to worry about anything. How many of you know you can't just live any old way? If we're not careful, we can get into the idea that, well, I, I just live the way I want to, you know, Monday through Saturday, show up on church Sunday and everything's going to be okay. That's not how God works. You have to have the right approach to God. And so the Philistines literally, the, Eli's sons carried this box into battle shouting, we're going to whip you all. Not quite like that. But anyway, they carried it into battle and they thought that they would win the war just because they carried what represented the presence of God. Can I tell you that the only way you can really carry the presence of God is on the inside of you. It's not something that you can carry on the outside. Now let me share this with you. If the presence of God is on the inside of you, it's going to show up on the outside of you. Amen? They carried that into battle and the Philistines defeated them and they took this captive. They, they thought that they had captured the presence of God. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they set it inside the house of their God. His name was Dagon. When they came back the next morning, Dagon had fallen down. They had to prop him back up. Can I tell you, if you've got to prop your God up, he's not God at all. So they propped him back up. The next morning they come in. Not only had he fallen down, but now his head's gone and his hands are gone. And they realize that they cannot treat or they cannot approach the presence of God any old way. The scripture said, now stay with me and don't anybody think I'm... Look it up. The scripture said, smote them all with hemorrhoids. How many of you have ever had that? I know nobody's going to honk their horn and admit that. Oh, thank you. Now, if you have hemorrhoids, what's that mean? It means you can't sit down. Or it's very uncomfortable for you to sit down. Can I tell you there's a way that you approach God? You're not going to presence of God. You're not going to be able just to sit down on God's presence. He wants us to stand up. Everybody say, stand up. This ends up, it's my, the, the Philistines are so taken back by this that they end up sending it back to Israel 
on a cart that's pulled by oxen. And then David comes to the throne. When David comes to the throne, there's something in his heart that wants to go after the presence of God. Friend, there's got to be something in our heart that longs for the presence of God. There's got to be something in us that desires to be where God is. So David goes after it, and this is what they did. They took this and they put it on a cart, and they let oxen pull it. Problem is, is that's the way that the enemy treated it. That's the way that the ungodly treated it. And David felt like he could approach it the same way. How many of you know that God wants more from us that know him? That if we have a relationship with God, we need to approach him differently. And so on the way back, that ark jostles and a man by the name of Uzzah reaches out his hand to balance it and he falls dead. And listen to what the scripture said. This is the scripture. It's found in 2 Samuel 6 and 9. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Oh, God, help us when we get afraid of the presence of God. Hear me. I'm not talking about reverencing the presence of God, for we all need to reverence the presence of God. But when we're afraid to enter into his presence, so David takes this box and he sends it over to the house of Obadidim. And he said, I can't bring that home with me. I don't know what it was in your life or the circumstances that surrounded you that may have caused you to let the ark of God go or let the presence of God pass you by. I'm just telling you, it doesn't have to stay that way. You can go after the presence of God. When Obadiah has this in his house, and this is just a box, friend, but it represented the presence of God. When Obadiah brought it into his house and he willingly received it, the Bible said that God blessed the house of Obadiah. When David realizes that Obadiah's being blessed, he recognizes, I made an error. I shouldn't have treated the presence of God like something that can be jostled around any old way. I shouldn't have tried to carry the presence of God on a cart with oxen. And so David brings men back to carry it. How many of you know that God intended for us to carry his presence? Amen? Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever felt the presence of God in your heart? That, that's something special, isn't it? And it's something that we long for. And so David goes back after this and he realizes, I can't, I can't approach God any old way. And he gets men to carry this. And as they carry it, they walk six spaces. And David stops and he offers sacrifice. And he continues to bring it into Jerusalem. And the closer he gets to Jerusalem, the more excited he becomes because he recognizes after all these years, the presence of God is going to come back to my house. After all these years, the presence of God is coming back to my home, into my family, into my heart. And the Bible said that he began to dance around and he yanked off that that represented royalty. He took off his robe and he cast it down and he was like a common man. His wife is watching from a window. Her name is Michael. And the Bible said that she despised him in her heart. When he went into her that day, she looked at him and she said, you were a, can I put it in just plain vernacular? 
You made a spectacle of yourself out there dancing around like some fool, like some vain fellow. You make me sick. David looked at her and said, I want to remind you that it was God that chose me to be king over your father. And if you think that's something, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because I will humiliate myself in the presence of God. And those, th those young maidens that, that you talked about, that you, you talk about them despising me, they're going to hold me in honor. Do you understand when we reach the place that we don't care what people think, but we just want to touch God. We just want to reach up and say, God, here I am. I need you. David brought that back to his home. Later, David would write to us concerning this. And listen to what he says. Hang on just a second. This is found in Psalms verse chapter 100 verse 4 David writes enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name what's missing there fear David doesn't say anything about fear because David now understands when I approach God the right way I don't have anything to be afraid of. So he said, let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You can't allow fear to keep you from him. Ask the woman that had the issue of blood. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's hemorrhaging. She spent everything she had on doctors and physicians and she still isn't any better. For her to approach him in that crowd, the law said they could stone her because she's not allowed. If you had an issue of blood, if you were bleeding, you weren't allowed to be in a crowd of people. But she's so hungry for him that she said in her heart, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. I don't even need him to know I'm there. I don't need him to point me out in a crowd and speak over me and prophesy over me. I just need to touch him. I just need to approach God with a heart that's saying, if I can get a hold of the hem of your garment, I, I'm going to be whole. And when she touched him, she felt the power of God flow through her and instantly she got her miracle. Don't let anything keep you from approaching him. There was a man that was blind and he heard that Jesus was passing by. He couldn't see him. He just heard. And he started crying out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And those around him told him to be quiet. He doesn't have time for you. But he didn't care what they said. He just cried out louder and said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Sometimes you have to push past the crowd. You have to overcome your fear. You've got to lay aside every weight that keeps trying to pull you back and say, here I am, God. Approach him with thanksgiving. Let him touch your life. And he kept crying out, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, tell him to come to me. They turned and they looked at him and they said, the master's calling you. There's nowhere that said that somebody took him by the hand 
and led him to Jesus. There's nowhere that reads that Jesus where the blind man was. But the blind man has to feel his way to God. Friend, we've all been there, haven't we? Where we weren't sure of where we were, but we were just trying to feel our way to God. And when you find yourself in His presence, when you approach Him the right way, the darkness that has tried to overshadow your life is gone in an instant. Amen. I want to leave this with you today. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 4 and verse 8. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies, well, I'm just going to tell you what it said because my iPad just got too hot. So if you think you're hot down there, it's hotter up here. The iPad just flipped up a big red thermometer and said, I'm too hot. <laughs> so it just, I just lost the note. So let me just do it this way. In the book of Deuteronomy, if you go there and read it, what you find out is that the priest is instructed to go to the army when, before they get ready to go to battle. And he's instructed to tell them, don't be afraid of them. Everybody say it with me. Don't be afraid of them. Because God is going before you. Later you'll find that the officer, so you've got not just the priest, but now you've got an officer. You've got someone that has spiritual authority and someone that has governmental authority. And the officer goes to the army and he said, if there's anyone here that's afraid, let them go home. Because we don't want your fear to infect everyone else. You ever been around somebody that's negative? You, have you ever been around somebody that when you get an idea, they shoot it down? That when all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're ready to praise God, they just want to damp it. Hey, you, I remember, man, when I first got saved, folks, folks thought I was a fanatic. They came up to me and they said, man, you're a fanatic. I said, you're right. I'm crazy about God. I said, I can't help it. I, I, my common reply has always been this. I'd rather try and calm down a fanatic than raise a dead man. <laughs> and so what we have to do is recognize that God does not want us to be afraid. He declares to us, he said, I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you and the scripture says if God be for us then who can be against us so this is what I'm going to ask you to do today like we did last week if you'll exit to the passenger side or I mean to the driver side of your car if you're on the passenger side just stay where you're at but just step out of your car just a second if you would step out if you're if, unless you're afraid to step out then stay in I want you to stretch your hands to heaven with me. This isn't about you and your family or about you and your neighbors or about you and the government. This is about you and Him. When I lay my head on a pillow at night, it's just me and Jesus. And I've got to know that when I'm laying my head on that pillow,
that it's well with my soul. I don't want to be afraid to lay my head down to sleep at night. But I know that when I lay my head down to sleep, that my sleep will be sweet because he's with me. David had feared to be in the presence of God. But later he would pen the 23rd Psalm and he would say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil <laughs> because he's with me. I want you to understand today that you are not alone. And if God is with you, you are the majority. She you stretch your hands to heaven, whatever your need is today, I just want you to boldly take it before the throne of grace. As you're praying, you're going to pray for Loretta Bailey and that God heals her body. Those of you that have requests, just make those requests known right now. Do you understand that He's a God that understands our infirmities? Scripture said that He was tempted in like manner as we are. But when we approach Him, we don't approach Him arrogantly. We don't approach Him defiantly. But we approach Him humbly and say, Here I am, God. Use me. Touch me. Save me. Let's pray together. Father, we lift up our hands in this parking lot today thanking You for all Your blessings. Thanking You for everything that You've done for us and the way You've kept us through these trying times. Lord, we anticipate with great expectation that the best is yet to come. God, that you're going to use us in greater ways than we've ever known. God, you're going to meet our needs in greater measures than we've ever experienced. So for everyone on this parking lot today, God, I pray that you wrap your arms around them, hold them, and let them sense the reality of your presence. Hold them close, God, and bring them in. And let them know that when they approach you, they're approaching a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When they approach you, they're approaching a mighty warrior. When they approach you, they're approaching Jehovah Jireh, our provider. When they approach you, they're approaching the Savior of the world. So Father, here we are and ask you to have your way in our lives. Amen. Come on, give him a, a hand clap of praise in this house today. Your presence is an open door. Come on, take just a moment. We want you, Lord.